What's up, everybody? We get so many questions about conspiracy theories on cases that we're following on this channel, about what ifs, and someone said, Pete Sardis and I have known each other for over 20 years, and we usually see eye to eye, but there are some things we see very differently. I'm going to follow the case. Pete's going to bring in the theories. What is mainstream media saying? What are the reports saying? Is it real? Is it fake? Did it come in at trial? And we're going to discuss it because as we've seen in trials, one side or the other can do something that makes previously inadmissible evidence come in by opening the door. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you listen to our podcast. Let me know what you think in the comments. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Opening the Door podcast. And we have something a little bit different today as we have a new special guest to discuss what happened in the Alec Baldwin criminal situation. How did the prosecutors screw this case up? How did they make these decisions? What kind of pressure was on them? How do we get here? And to help me talk about it for the first time on the podcast is our newest associate here at the law offices of Trago Stars and Tragos, J.D. Patel, fresh off of his career at the state attorney's office. He's been a prosecutor for the entirety of his career after, of course, clerking for our firm for a few years. And we just hired him. So he has been in the thick of it and in the trenches of making these charging decisions. And he's been in the shoes of the prosecutors that made the decisions that backfired in a very public way in Alec Baldwin's criminal case. What's up, JD? What's up, man? Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. And it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting episode because, you know, some people think it's unfair to say that this was just a swing and a miss by the prosecutors and, you know, they're just doing their job. They're trying to do the right thing. But when it comes down to it, the prosecutors are the ones that hold all the power in this situation, right? You're right. And there's actually something different about this case, though, too. And that's that they that the, the main state attorney ended up putting on special prosecutors to file charges in this case. And we'll get into who those special prosecutors were because they weren't actually prosecutors initially. Right. And, and that's the whole point. They knew. They went up and asked um, the politicians for more money to fight this case because they knew it was going to be a battle. They knew Alec Baldwin had time and money and power and he was going to have great lawyers. So they knew that going into it. So first, let's start out by talking about how state attorneys make charging decisions and what all comes into play, especially when they know the attorney is going to be, you know, most cases you're comparing a private attorney and a public defender. Sometimes you do have high-powered attorneys that can affect the decisions you make as a state attorney. So, so take us in the mind of a state attorney or a prosecutor when this comes on your desk and you have to make the charging decision. Absolutely. So there are two different ways that charges come to us first. The first way is they're actually arrested and the officers recommend a charge. Then we ultimately get to investigate with the officer, talk to the witnesses, take sworn testimony from them. And based on that, we either file what the officer recommended or we change it to something based on what is presented to us. The second option, and this is what happened in Alec Baldwin's case, was the officers take statements of everybody that was at the scene. They do their own investigation and then they forward charges to the state attorney's office. And then the state attorney's office does more investigation and then they ultimately recommend charges 
what they see they can charge or what they can prove rather. So, right. and if you, as a state attorney, get something across your desk from law enforcement and law enforcement think there's enough for charges, you don't, you don't think you can prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. What happens? Then we drop it. At the end of the day, we tell the officer, we don't think we have enough to charge. Um, and, and that's the end of it. And, and a lot of people think the officers make the decision of what you're arrested for or what you're charged with. But at the end of the day, it only comes down to what the state attorney or the prosecutor, DA, state attorney, AUSA, whatever it may be, the prosecutor is the one that has to make the decision because they are the ones that are going to have to get up in court and prove this to a jury. Absolutely. So, go ahead. There are multiple times where officers come, come to me and they arrest somebody and they say, oh, they're dead in the rights, whatever the case may be. And I tell them, you're absolutely wrong. There's no way you could do this. There's no way I can prove this. You, it shouldn't even happen to begin with. Right. And you make that final decision as the prosecutor handling the case. Sometimes you have to kick it up to a supervisor and they've got to confirm or sign off on it. But law enforcement doesn't make those decisions. So in this case, nobody is forcing the prosecutor to bring charges at all. But the prosecutors decide to bring charges. And where do the problems arise with the charges the prosecutors decided to bring in this case? Okay. So let's talk about the state attorney. So the state attorney of, or they're, they're known as the district attorney over there. She had just been elected that year in January. So nine months into her tenure, she gets this case. And her position was that they don't have enough time to devote their office um, attorneys to this one case. They've got to prosecute others in the area as well. So they end up electing two private attorneys as special prosecutors. Now, these two private attorneys, I actually looked it up and they barely practice, they barely practice any criminal law at all. One of them was an employment lawyer and the other um, dabbled in some criminal defense, but neither of them were actual prosecutors before. And that's pretty big here because with the, with the severe charge like manslaughter and the publicity that it brings with it. You better have your right people on that on that charge. And they did it here. Well, the first special prosecutor they appointed was actually a politician who then ended up stepping down after the criminal defense attorneys came out and said it's it's you know imp improper for you to come and have this case with your position in, in politics. They first just bucked that, but then she did end up stepping down, and then they appointed these two special prosecutors that you're talking about. So they literally misstepped every possible, every possible way they could in this case, who they appointed, when they appointed them, and they had egg on their face over and over again. And I think what, what is just really important to, to remember here. And the point of this conversation is it is their decision. Nobody forces the state attorney or the DA, which special prosecutor to pick. It is up to her. It is up to her what to charge, when to charge and who's going to be handling the case. Right? So in our, in your office here, the state attorney assigns cases, right? So she assigned the case to whoever she wanted to handle the case. It's not like anybody forced her hand there either. So when it comes to her and she's trying to figure out what to charge him with, what does she come down to? And, and how do you go through that process about what charge, what enhancements, how heavy handed do you want to be? Do you pick the, the highest charge you feel like you can prove or the easiest charge you feel like you can prove? What's kind of the analysis there? So after you go through all the investigation, talk to your officers, you talk to your witnesses, there's going to be some media input as well. Whenever you charge somebody, your office is trying to make a statement as well. You don't want these kinds of crimes happening in your county. So in order to do that, you charge the highest you possibly can. 
and you set you set the record straight saying if you guys commit charges like this you will be charged accordingly so that's what they tried to do here was based on the facts they charged her charged him with involuntary manslaughter and that was the best charge that fit the facts in this case but what they did do was they added an enhancement and that enhancement was one of the biggest issues that they did because in um, may of 2022 is when the law changed regarding this enhancement. These special prosecutors, they didn't actually know the law like they should have. If there were actually criminal defense attorneys or former prosecutors, they would have likely known that this law did not apply at the time of the shooting. And that's what good defense attorneys do here, is they point out those small errors that ultimately end up being big ones here. Right. And again, I don't know if those two special prosecutors were the ones that made that decision, but the DA was definitely involved. She was definitely involved in everything in this case. She was doing press conferences when they came down with the charges. Um, that was with the politician who was the special prosecutor at the time. And again, they picked a gun enhancement that did not retroactively even apply to Alec Baldwin's case. So what does Alec Baldwin's, you know, high powered, high priced criminal defense lawyers do? They fight it and it gets dropped. So that's the first bit of egg on their face. Right. Then. What happens with the other charges? Well, eventually those charges are dismissed as well. After the prosecutor does public interviews with media saying, we feel like we know we're going to win. We're ready for the truth to come out. We're going to get justice for the victim's families. So the next question I have is whose decision is it to go and do media interviews? It would be ultimately the state attorney's office. I can tell you when I was at the state attorney's office, our policy was that we don't do interviews as Why? assistant state attorneys. It is not our position. It is the state attorney's um, position. If he wants to do an interview, he'll either direct us accordingly or he'll do it himself. And why do you think that is? Why do you think that he tries to keep a cap on the state attorney's office? I mean, it's his office. He is the state attorney. He is solely reliable for all the actions and words that we say. And he doesn't want to be, he doesn't want to put us in that position and we don't want to screw it up for him because it all comes back on him at the end of the day, especially if they're elected state attorneys and because it can get screwed up. And because if you go too hard in an interview and then this happens, it hurts even worse. Every time you charge something as a state attorney and then you drop the charges, that sucks. That happened when I was there too, where, you know, charges would come across our day. I was talking about the other day. One of the only cases I almost lost the JOA on, was when I prosecuted a loitering and prowling, right? Like the dumbest, smallest charge you could possibly have. And that's and one the of the hardest charges to say, you know, what? That's one of the hardest charges to prove. Just say, so you Correct. know, Correct. exactly. And that's why we almost <laughs> lost JOA. We barely got through it. I was literally Googling dictionary.com for certain definitions on my phone at trial. We got past JOA. We won the trial and it got overturned on appeal. Okay. <laughs> and, and that's, that's the point is like, you have these cases that sometimes it's the wrong charges. And that, that was like my second trial I ever did. I didn't know better. I didn't know if I would have known now, I'd be like, nah, we shouldn't do this. We shouldn't prosecute this. You know, this isn't right. But at the time I'm trying to win a trial. And so while that can happen, sometimes you have to know what you're charging is appropriate. You have to be confident in that because if it gets screwed up, you are the one that has to eat it as the lawyer, the state attorney on the case. And so she had to know that throughout this whole process, all these decisions were hers. And instead of just making them quietly and trying to do the right thing, I don't condemn anybody for doing a media interview, but you better not go back on your words that we're going to absolutely win this case two months into the case. If you're going to do a media interview like that. And that's the point is most state attorney's office don't do interviews. 
And if they do, it's usually the DA or the state attorney that is the one doing those interviews. So can you talk about how collaborative the process is when you guys are trying to figure out what to charge, when you're trying to look at a case, do you bounce it off other state attorneys? Do you bounce it off the state attorney or the, the DA? How do you actually end up coming to the charge that you decide that you decide on? So it, it depends on the charge itself, right? So when I was at the state attorney's office, I was part of the traffic homicide unit. And basically any traffic cases that involve death, um, we would go out to the scene gather all the evidence, and then we would talk about it with the state attorney and the chief assistant state attorney. And those two are those two are our points of contact. People who are in our in our unit as well, we would bounce ideas off them. But ultimately, we come to the right charge based on conversations with them. It may be a week. It could be two weeks. It could be six months down the road. Um, but at the end of the day, you're talking about it. You're researching. You're making sure that the law that you are charging them with or the crime that you're charging them with is the right crime because you don't want to be put in a position, you know, six months down the road where you're going back and you're saying, oh, I've actually messed this one up. I, I charged the wrong crime. Mistakes happen. They do. But you can't make a mistake when it comes to a crime like this. And how do how do defense attorneys play? A role in this, right? Because when you take your time to determine what charges defense attorneys can get in there and they can actually affect the charge that the state attorney has. When you have defense attorneys like Alec Baldwin, you better believe, and, and especially the timeline that how long it took for these criminal charges, they were in lockstep and knowing what was happening every step of the way. How does that affect the state attorney? What will you tell and not tell to a defense attorney? How much will you work with them? What, how does it depend on your relationship with the defense attorney? Things like that. So I think all of that goes into a play. You know, when Usually when these crimes happen, the first thing that these people do is they hire lawyers. The lawyers then ultimately reach out to the state attorney's office and they say, hey, we, re we represent, you know, Alec Baldwin and um, we want to be we want to provide you guys mitigation one way or the other to help gear your mindset towards what we want. And in one of my last cases before I came to the office was um, a defense attorney was there from the outset. He would provide us medical records from the, uh, the defendant. He said, hey, he's just a kid. We don't, we don't want you to prosecute him as an adult for this crime. Um, in that case, he had stolen a car and ultimately killed his passenger. Um, so it was pretty severe charges there. And throughout the entire time, I was constantly in communication with the uh, defense attorney. Um, oh, Sorry, go. that was my bad. I just, I hit enter on accident. You were constantly in contact with the defense attorney. Yeah, we, we kept him apprised of all the new information that we felt relevant. Um, and he would constantly send us letters, call us weekly or biweekly, letting us know, or, you know, asking us if we made a, made, uh, made a decision yet. So what the defense attorney brings us, what the media input kind of is, there were times where we would get letters in the mail. The victims would write us letters. They go on, um, on the news, they make statements, all of these come into a play whenever we decide what kind of charges we want to file and why. So when a defense attorney gets in there and they provide what you call mitigation, meaning why the charge should be less, um, why you should charge something less or not charge something at all. If there's a mental, mental health condition, if there's a physical health condition, if there's a reason why it would fit this charge better than that charge, that's all something you take into play, take into account as a state attorney. So that was probably happening here. And the lawyers were trying to give them this information. Sounds like they totally disregarded it. And then a couple months into it, they end up dismissing the charges altogether. So defense attorneys absolutely play a role. The earlier they can get into a case, 
in what somebody could actually be charged with. And in this case, it seems like the defense attorneys were right in what they were arguing and the state attorney should have listened to them, but didn't. And now we all, you know, have 2020 and the hindsight is 2020 and we get to look back and see they should have, they should have listened to the defense attorneys. They should have seen how this was not going to work and they were going to lose and just decided not to charge him. But talk a little bit about how politics and the media, you keep mentioning that. Do you guys ever feel pressure as state attorneys to charge cases based on what's happening in the media or based on the victims or based on trying to get justice, even if you feel like you either don't have the right person or don't have enough to convict? I think it's a case by case basis. You know, um, I think the media does have some sort of input because at the end of the day, the state attorney serves the people, you know, it's the state of Florida versus the defendant. It's not the state attorney versus the defendant. So our interests align with the public. So the public should have a say um, somewhat as to what, you know, if we go forward on our charge or what, what the what the situation may be. Ultimately, is it their decision? Absolutely not. It's it's the state attorney's office. Um, and you know, one thing I do want to mention when they uh, when they said that they were going to dismiss the charges, they actually made a statement and they said, um, "Consequently, we cannot proceed under the current time constraints and on the facts and evidence turned over by law enforcement in its existing form. We therefore will be dismissing the involuntary manslaughter charges against Mr. Baldwin." to conduct further investigation and that this decision does not absolve Mr. Baldwin of criminal culpability and that charges may be refiled. Correct. They absolutely, they absolutely left it open so they could reach refile the charges. But is any of that stuff news? Is any of that stuff new a year later when they actually charged him? It makes no sense. They knew that going into it when they made the charging decision. Yep. And the fact that they, disregarded that evidence, looked at it in a different light. I don't, I don't know. I don't care. But for 15 months, you had the opportunity to do this investigation. And when you did do it, you screwed it up. And then, right. You finally made your decision after all this time. And then you literally went back on it, but you still want to take shots with your public statement saying it does not absolve Alec Baldwin. And we might file charges in the future to hang it over his head. Right. There's, there's no way they do that. I mean, especially after the fact, I think the way this office has been run, um, I don't want to say it's an embarrassment, but it's an embarrassment, right? I mean, it's embarrassing for sure. There's no other way to look at it, especially the public nature that this happened in. Um, and that leads me to my kind of the last question, which is when something like this happens, maybe it didn't happen to you. Maybe it didn't happen to the state attorney here. It definitely didn't happen on as high profile of a case here in Pinellas County, but when something like this would happen, where an assistant state attorney disregards something they shouldn't have. They end up having to drop charges or dismiss charges or they charge the wrong guy or gal. And it comes back through the state attorney's office. How is it handled? How is it looked at? What's the scuttlebutt around the office when something like this happens? I mean, it's definitely drama around the, around the, uh, the office. I guess it really depends on who the person is that ultimately filed the charge. If it's a lower level attorney, you know, maybe misdemeanor or, you know, a lower felony person, the likelihood of them getting a case like this um, is obviously pretty slim. Right. Usually the people that have seniority and have been there for a long period of time, they should know better, right? Again, this is a little bit different of a situation because these were special prosecutors brought out. So the fact that they were in private law before, you know, that shouldn't have happened to begin with. That would never happen here. Um, the fact that it even happened to begin with it is just outrageous to me. Um yeah, I think it comes down to like prosecutors lose trials all the time. 
You go to trial, you lose, you come back, you talk about it. It sucks. It's like, what could I have done different? What could I do better? Whatever. But this is different. You, you chose these charges publicly, publicly said you were going to win. The other side publicly said no shot. The other side is publicly right when you dismiss them. And then you still try to hold on to me. If you come back and you talk about it in this office, it's like, what are you doing? This can never happen again. This is unacceptable. Like this is something that whoever runs against her in the future is going to talk about the wasted time and resources like taxpayer dollars were wasted on three different special prosecutors and attorneys and law enforcement investigating and pushing these charges that they then decided to drop. Even if listen, investigation is important. Law enforcement's important. The state attorneys doing their job, making the charging decision. All of that is important, but the decision you make to file these charges better be right because you are now spending our money pushing charges that you filed under the wrong enhancement with the gun, the gun enhancement, and then charges that you dismiss months later after you pick the wrong special prosecutor that was inappropriate. And then you bring in two others. I just can't see how this could have gone worse for this state attorney's office. Is there anything you could see in this case that's redeemable that it's like, okay, I can understand how we got here. Absolutely not. I mean, if, if they decide to press charges again, you know, it, it would be an outrage. I mean, I, I don't see it happening. I mean, I think they learned their mistake. I think Alec Baldwin and his team of attorneys um, would, quite frankly, crucify the prosecutor's office again. Um, it's not like it went to trial or anything like that, but they they stopped it in its tracks before it even needed to. And that's what good defense attorneys do. I mean, your experience, you know what to look for. Um, I just don't see it happening again. I really don't. And if they did, something I would do as a defense attorney would be pull this public statement that she said under the current facts and time and blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't mean that we won't refile. If she does refile and this did go to trial, a good defense attorney would say, okay, state attorney said this, right? Publicly, because you can bring that in. Publicly, the state attorney said this. So what new facts or evidence or or uh, testing or anything happened since that date from today's date, because it's going to be nothing. They already have all the evidence. They already have all the facts. They've already talked to all the witnesses over the last year plus. So what's going to be new? That, it's not. And yeah. that's the thing, you know, and that's kind of the worst part about prosecutors uh, sometimes is you're dealt the cards you're dealt, right? Right. You don't get to make cards. You don't get to pull cards out of your sleeve. Like you make, the, you make do with what you got and it is what it is. Same thing with plaintiff's attorneys and personal injury cases. The case is worth what it's worth. If you try to lie, cheat, and steal your way into a case or try to say, this guy doesn't need surgery, let's have him get surgery anyways, you're just creating problems for yourself. It's the same thing as a prosecutor. If you try to push stuff that is not there, you just end up making, you end up with egg on your face, just like happened in this case. Good prosecutors deal with what they got, move forward with what they have, do their best, get justice as best as they can, and then move on to the next one. I mean, that's really the only way you can look at cases like this. Right. You live and you learn, you make mistakes. It happens, but, um, you you can't make mistakes in cases like that. I'll tell you that. Exactly. Exactly. All right. This was fun. I appreciate you coming on. We'll do more in the future to have a prosecutor's perspective on this stuff. Somebody who was literally just in the trenches and understands what these charging decisions are like, what the timing is like, how it works and how these mistakes happen, that it is not normal for this to happen. This is something, I mean, to the, to the high profile nature, it's unusual, but this is something that probably never happened the entire time you were at the prosecutor's office to this level of mistake after mistake after mistake. I don't think there was. Yeah. 
So this is very unusual, very embarrassing, and very public for the prosecutors in this case. Alec Baldwin at this point um, seems to be in the clear, although we'll see if they try to refile charges in the future. Thanks for joining me, JD. No problem. Thank you. Thanks for watching another episode of The Lawyer You Know. If you enjoyed the episode, please hit the thumbs up and share with your friends who may be interested here on YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at Tragos Law is our handle. And don't forget to listen to The Lawyer You Know podcast featuring new episodes every week. If you have a case you want to talk to us about, if it's a personal injury case, wrongful death, catastrophic injury, car accident, or slip and fall case, please email us at lawyeryouknow at gmail.com. And of course, all these links I just mentioned are included in the description below on this episode and every episode. So until next time, this is Peter Tragos, The Lawyer You Know.